You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. It's so good to see all of you here this afternoon at City Church. My name is Eric Bonkowski. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. My wife and I have three kids, and I still remember uh, the, the first couple days when we brought our oldest, a son named Reed, when we brought him home from the hospital, and we kind of looked at each other and said, they're really letting us leave the hospital with his child. Now what do we do? And uh, I don't look back on those first few days and weeks uh, all that fondly. They were, there was a lot of crying, and there was a lot of us not knowing what the crying meant or not knowing how to stop the crying. But uh, 18 years later, our son's uh, doing fine. The reason I, I was thinking about that this week is that um, when our son was born, uh, we had one person bring us a meal. And that one person was my sister who lived five states away, 300 miles away. And she made a meal. It was beef stroganoff. I still remember that. Put it in a cooler on ice, drove down and visited us and left us with that meal. Uh, And to take nothing away from how significant it was that she brought us a meal, once we moved to Richmond and uh, became a part of these churches that had this take them a meal set up, we realized how much we missed out on uh, at Reed's birth and uh, the the reason I'm uh, thinking about that is because the way that uh, churches like City Church show up and take meals to new parents or to people who are dealing with an illness or a sickness or just going through a, a busy and hard time of life is a great way that we serve each other And last Sunday here at City Church, I talked about how Christians and how the Christian church is sent out to serve the world. And I stand by that. It's absolutely true. We're sent out to bear justice to all people. But equally important, and what I want to focus on today, is how we are sent out to serve each other. Within the walls of the church, within the community of the congregation, we are called to serve each other. We're going to talk about that today, and in order to do that, I want to read some scripture with you. We're going to read a passage from Galatians chapter 5, and these words are printed in the worship guide. You can follow along there. If you have a Bible, um, open up to Galatians 5, because I'm going to refer to a few other places in Galatians 5 as we make our way through uh, this message. This is God's word for us this afternoon. Just a few verses, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. Here's what it says. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. 
Gracious Father, we ask that you would be present with us now and make this your living word come to life in our hearts and in our lives. We ask that you would forgive the sins of the one who speaks. Because they are many. And we ask that we all would hear again and know again your deep grace to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who served us to the very end. We pray this in his name. Amen. Christians and the Christian church is meant to serve each other. This is a pretty non-controversial idea. This is pretty basic Christianity, Christianity 101, that we are to serve each other. It's at the heart of the Bible. It's a straightforward idea. And we see it here in verse 13, where it says, But through love, serve one another. Earlier in Galatians 5, verse 6, it says the only thing that matters, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself or working through love. It's the same idea. Real faith, real Christian faith expresses itself through love. A love that serves or service that is done with love. That's this central idea. And, and I want, before I go any further, I want to remind you of something I said last week, especially if you weren't here, because it's essential when we think about serving. That our serving finds its source in God serving us. Okay? The reason we serve each other is that first, Christ has served us. If we get that backwards, we lose the gospel. And our hearts are prone to switch those two around. Our hearts are prone to say, well, God will love me if I serve. No, God loves you. Therefore, serve. As you know God's love, as you rest in all the ways that Jesus Christ has served you, then you serve each other. You see, that's central, and we're not going to talk a lot about the overall book of Galatians, but it's central to Paul, the Apostle Paul's message in Galatians. He is very keen to point out to these early Christians that it is not the law that saves them. They are saved through faith in what Jesus has done. And, and, and we, we see hints of that. Paul is pulling on those threads in this passage. Because when he talks about freedom, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, Galatians, early Christians, and Christians today, you are free from the law through faith. In other words, you don't have to keep all of the Old Testament. You don't have to do all of those things in order to be set right with God. You are set right with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're free. You're free from your sin. You're free from the law that enslaves you. You see, Paul is saying you are free from all of these things. And then, in the passage that we looked at in Galatians 5, Paul is going on to say, not only are you free from the law, you are free to serve one another. You see that? Both sides are important. What we are freed from and what we are freed to. But our hearts are prone to mix that up. But this is the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is that we are free to become slaves. We are free 
to make ourselves willing servants because we have a Savior who has done the same thing. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus Christ himself, the only begotten Son of God, came as a servant. Same idea in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. This classic uh, summary of the gospel that Paul presents us with. And he says of Jesus, Jesus did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant the mystery of the gospel, that we are free to become slaves. We are free to serve each other. And really today, most of what I want to communicate to you is affirmation. I want to say to you, City Church, you are doing this. You are serving each other. You're doing it. It's good for you to hear that encouragement. I am not a natural encourager. This is hard for me. I should have had Harrison preach this sermon. He's much more of a natural encourager than I am. It doesn't come easy for me. I think I learned it from my family, right? My my dad, we're driving home from basketball games, and whether we won the game or lost the game, whether I scored 25 points or zero points, we always were talking about what I could have done better, right? What the team could have done better. Right, so I'm more of a natural critic, not a natural encourager. But you should be encouraged that you are serving one another. The way that God commands us to. I have a friend who's a, who is definitely a natural encourager. And you're around him and you just feel like the, the, the best version of yourself. He got married this summer and a, another friend of ours told this great story that I'm going to shamelessly steal and repeat to you because it's worth telling. My friend, uh, in his backyard, there's this big tree. And if you go in the backyard and you sit with him, he'll tell you that it is the biggest tree in Virginia. It's like, absolutely, this is the biggest tree in Virginia. It's not the biggest tree in Virginia. But it's a big tree. And and so my friend at at this rehearsal dinner was was talking about uh, what it's like to be around this natural encourager. And he says, in the same way that he thinks and says that that's the biggest tree, he makes you feel like you're the biggest tree in Virginia. That's what a good friend does. He offers that encouragement. And that's, that's what I want to tell you today for all the ways that I've seen over the last 15 years, the way City Church has served each other. You're doing it. You're doing it. There are lots of examples of it. I alluded to the take them a meal earlier. And I, I hear uh, time and time again about how people look at these take them, the, take them a meal schedules and they're, they're booked out for months at a time. And, 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 and so it's a blessing to people who need those meals. And it's also a witness to others who see that. I was talking to a couple uh, uh, recently, and they said that their, their mom, who's a Christian, uh, one of the moms, she, she belongs to a church, and she keeps seeing people from City Church show up with meals. And she's astounded by it. She's astounded by the way that this church serves each other. That's fantastic. That's a witness, both to neighbors 
who see these random people showing up on your porch. That's an example of the way that you're doing this work. There's another one that's close at hand as well. And for the last eight weeks, we've been doing Sunday formation after uh, our worship service. And it's a big undertaking. We have something like uh, 100 or 120 people who stay in different rooms throughout the building. They all get dinner and they all learn more about the gospel and more about Jesus. And there are a bunch of people who make that happen by serving. Some uh, uh, serve by teaching children. Some serve by teaching adults. Some serve by preparing the food or cleaning up the food. If you have served in any capacity with Sunday formation this fall, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to make you stand. Just raise your hand. Any capacity. Staff, you count too. Yeah. Look around. These are the hands of people who have served you. You should be encouraged by that. And it's okay for us to name that to say it out loud. Take them a meal and Sunday formation are ways that we do this. But there are others too. There are city groups. Many of you are in small groups or city groups. And those are places where you are serving each other. Occasionally, I I hear about the stories of uh, ways that in your own small groups, you're watching each other's kids or again, you're bringing a meal to someone in need. Or you're providing a ride when they need a ride. Or sometimes you're, um, you're, you're paying bills that someone else in your group can't pay. You're serving each other. Right? The, the, these, there are these different ways that I've mentioned. And then there are a million other ways that I never see. That will never get mentioned in a sermon. Never mentioned from up front. But there are ways that you are serving each other. You're following the command of Scripture. You're being faithful because you know that Christ was faithful to you. You're doing it, City Church. And the only other thing I want to say to you today is keep it up. Keep doing it. You've started so well. Keep going. May we be a church that continues to serve each other. Right? Of offering encouragement. Here's the, here's the natural critic in me coming out. Right? There are dangers in that. Here are the two dangers. The first is that there are some people in this room who are hearing me say all this and they say, I don't feel that way. I haven't been served. I look around, I hear all the time about other people having meals taken to them, but I haven't received a single meal. That's the reality, and anytime you're in a group of people of a certain size, there are going to be some people who feel that way. And even my message so far has only kind of twisted the knife a little bit more, made them feel more alone. That's why we have to keep it up. That's why we can't rest on our laurels. We must continue to serve each other. I think the other risk is just that we would get lazy. We would get complacent, right? We would hear the pastor at the front of the church saying, hey, you've done this so well. And we'd say, well, I guess I'm off the hook now. 
I can take a week off or a month off or a year off or a decade off. No, the, the, the reality of the church, the community of the church, is that it is built and sustained always by the way that we serve each other. It's the, it's the only way that Christian community works because it flows downhill from Christ serving us. So in light of that, I want to I give you three ways that I think we continue to need to be challenged to serve each other, to keep it up. You've started so well and keep going in that direction. Three ways. Here's the first. Serve other others. Let me explain what that means. Serve other others. What I mean by that is that I think for most of us, our tendency is that our serving others is serving people just like us. People who are the same age, people who are in the same small group, people who are in the same stage of life, people who look like us, talk like us, dress like us. Even within this church, even as we serve each other, we need to serve other others. We see that in this passage. Verse 14, Paul says, he quotes, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is classic Bible teaching. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And most of us think about that and we automatically define who our neighbor is. But Jesus gives us great insight into what this really ought to mean for us. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, here's someone who comes to Jesus and thinks he's doing all the right things. And he says, but who is my neighbor? And in the course of answering that question, Jesus flips it around and he says, I'm not going to define for you who your neighbor is. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to act as a neighbor throughout all of life. Wherever you're interrupted, wherever uh, God brings someone into your life and you serve them, that is your neighbor. Who are the other others in your life that you can love as a neighbor? Who is crossing your path? Who is the Holy Spirit prompting you to serve? And rather than dismissing that prompt and say, well, no, I already serve in so many other ways. I've already got my group. I've already got my people. Love your neighbor as yourself. What I want to encourage you all to do is stop circumscribing your service. Stop limiting your love. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your life to who might be your neighbor. Look for them. Let me get really specific here. Here at City Church, I think right now it means for us serving those who are across the sanctuary. Why is it that we always come in and sit in the same dang seats? Subtly what we're doing is we are limiting who we will serve with a handshake, with a smile, with those three or four awkward minutes of conversation before the sermon starts. That is part of our service. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. The 20-somethings, they are desperate to talk to the 40-somethings. And the 40-somethings are desperate to talk to the 20-somethings. But everyone's scared and unwilling to serve each other by crossing the sanctuary. You know, we've started to do this a little bit with the mentoring program this fall at City Church, and that's great on a one-on-one basis, individually, it's good. 
but it's got to happen for all of us. It's a way that we serve each other. I've got a little corollary for you too. This is bonus. This, this one's free. Cross the sanctuary and sit further forward. Right? We laugh. But here's why that's serving another person. Because the visitor who comes in late, the visitor who's never been at City Church before and walks in and sees the back of the church full, they say, there isn't space for me here. You are serving one another by something as simple as where you sit on Sunday. You're doing so well, City Church, and keep going. Serve other others. Second point is serve others riskily. Enter into risk. I think we need to move from safe service to risky service. And this is similar to what I've talked about before, right? It's crossing a boundary. That's the risk. I I think uh, Paul is hinting us, he's pushing us in that direction in verse 13, where he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What does that mean, opportunity for the flesh? Well, the opportunity for the flesh is using our freedom for comfort, for what's easy, That's what the flesh is. That's what it stands in for. Just doing what is comfortable. Inertia. No. We need to serve each other in a way that enters into risk, that presses beyond what is good and easy and comes naturally to us. And and so here's a specific example of that. Rebecca actually already talked about it this afternoon. I want to turn it around. The, The way that you can help someone else serve you riskily is by taking a risk and making yourself vulnerable. Share your needs so that another person can serve you. That's how it works. That's how we can serve each other meaningfully. It's hard, right? This this feels like, it's, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard not to have everything in life buttoned up. It's hard to ask another person, can you come help me? This morning I was doing a little home repair project, right? And uh, our, our ice maker in our fridge isn't working, and I was trying to fix it. And um, I, I had started this whole project, and it was going great, except I forgot to turn off the water line to the ice maker. And so I disconnected the hose, and water was spraying all over the place. And I sort of put my thumb over the, the water hose, and I started thinking, what can I do? How can I fix this? Can I reach a bucket? It was so hard for me, even in that setting, to call Sarah and say, could you come and help me? It's a silly example, and yet it's how all of us live our lives. I need help. There's great risk in that, but it opens up the door to allowing another person to serve you. What does that mean? Well, it means show up. Some of you need to show up on Thursday to what Hillary and Rebecca are leading. And it feels like a terrible risk. But they will serve you. Some of you need to raise your hand this week and say, I don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving. And there are people in this church who would love to have you at their table. But They won't invite you if they don't know that you need a place to go. It's a risk, 
but it's so good. It's what we all need. It's how the church works. And if you want to feel better about it, when, when I was in high school, we, uh, my friends and I, we came up with this way of understanding this. This is actually the double serve, right? Because you, by uh, uh, announcing your need, you're allowing, you're serving another person by allowing them to serve you, okay? It's the double serve. That's the silver lining. Okay, so uh, serve other others, serve others riskily, and lastly, serve others committedly with commitment. Friends, we need binding commitments in our lives. This is for our good and it's for the good of other people. Do not limit your serving to just being haphazard. Occasional. It should be regular. We as a a people, as a society, are freer than we've ever been before, but we're not happier. I think one of the reasons for that is that we have stopped making sacred commitments to each other. Commitments to serve each other. There are a bunch of reasons for this. We could talk about COVID. We could talk about our smartphones. We could talk about, well, maybe it's just Generation Z and their uh, uh, fear of commitment. No, friends, it's, it's in our hearts. You know, in the church, we have name, we have a name for binding commitments vows we take vows we don't take vows in a lot of places in life but in church it matters because we have to serve each other committedly if you're a member of this church you have taken this vow do you promise to partner with the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability that's a commitment to serve each other You're doing that well, City Church. Keep going. Keep it up. Keep it up. G.K. Chesterton talks about vows, and I put this quote at the top of the worship guide today. He says that a vow is an an appointment with oneself at a distant time and place. I love that. You ever make an appointment with yourself? That's, that's what a commitment to serving means. It's saying I'm going to serve others. Whether or not I feel like it. Whether or not I had a good day. We need those commitments. You know, we, we talk, or at least we talked a few years ago about FOMO, fear of missing out. I think the, the more realistic problem for many of us is fear of better options. It's phobo, right? And that's why we don't serve committedly. Something else might come along. So what does this mean specifically? How do we apply this? Well, it means show up. Show up to worship. Show up to small group. Show up to some recurring place where you are serving. That's how we serve each other. You know, there are a lot of times where I know it, Sunday afternoon rolls around and you're like, I don't think I want to go to church today. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm exhausted. My heart's not in the right place. You showing up here is serving another person because someone walked into this sanctuary today And they were looking around the room for you. 
They needed to see you. They needed to hear your voice. Your decision is not just about you. Serve others committedly. I read an article this week, and I didn't think it was going to have anything to do with this message, but it did. The author said this, every vow is irreducibly rash because we never know how the story of a vow will end. It's true. Whether it's church membership, whether it's friendship, whether it's marriage, whether it's parenting, you never know how the story of a vow will end. It creates great risk for us. It's what keeps many of us from making commitments. But as I thought about that, I began to think about it on another level. And there is a vow that we do know how the story ends. It's the vow that God made to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Right? It's, it's back to why we serve, the source of our serving. It's always that God has served us first. And I want you to think about the vow that God made. It was irreducibly rash. But he knew from day one how it would end. With his beloved son. Nailed to a tree. To pay for our sin. To serve us to the uttermost. So that we might receive the spirit of God. And then go forth and serve one another. It's rash. It's crazy. And if we knew that that's how the story would end, it's a vow we would never make. But praise be to God, who knew the end, made the vow, and kept the vow for us. We serve because he has first served us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're thankful for today for the full service of your son to us. And we pray now as we receive his spirit that we would serve one another. And so show forth your love and your glory to one another and to the watching world. We pray this all through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.